All right, we're going to have our prayer time after the service. If you don't have one, uh, a main prayer request for yourself that you want to see God answer, may he give you one during the service here, because we are going to be in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Uh, Brother Tom, would you read 1 through 8? Follow along as Brother Tom reads for us. Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8. Luke 18, 1 through 8. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feareth not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Amen. All right, let's, let's open in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd uh, just be with us now, speak mm -hmm. to us through your word. Thank you for the power of your word, Lord. Uh, washes us clean by the washing and generation of the Holy Spirit. I pray, O oh God, that you would uh, just take your word and speak to our hearts now. Thank you for this parable here, uh, that while you were on this earth, you spoke it. And it speaks to us even now. I pray, Lord, you'll use it in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Bible says in uh, Luke chapter 18, he spake a parable unto them to this end. Now, a parable, when God says it's a parable, uh, the Lord used parables for the reason that he had to get around a lot of unbelief. It took uh, the Lord to use parables uh, because of man, man's hearts uh, were not full of faith. Uh, our hearts are not where they should be. And the Lord used parables to get to our hearts, to help us better understand heavenly things. And a parable, uh, the definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, when it says parable, it wasn't an actual person. Uh, like we, some people confuse the, par uh, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. When the rich man opened up his eyes in hell, uh, being in torments, the Bible said. And people would say that's a parable. No, that wasn't a parable. That was a true account uh, that Jesus gave. And there is a hell. There is an, a literal hell. It's not figurative. It's an actual place. And here you have a parable. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, uh, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And when it says to this end, he's saying that the whole matter, the whole end of everything, 
uh, is this, that we need to pray. We need to pray. The alternative, or what's going to happen if we don't, is we're going to faint. We're going to give up. We're going to back out. We need the strength of the Lord to continue. We don't have what it takes to uh, live in this world. This world will use you up like a tea bag. And once you're good for nothing, what do you do with a tea bag? It just throws you out. And that's what this world does to all of us. Uh, we're no good to anybody uh, when we're all used up. We're no good to anybody when we don't have any more strength, when we can't contribute and do our part. And the Lord, though, uh, it doesn't matter if we're good to him or not. He just loves us. And thank God for that, that somebody actually loves us enough to come and die for us and come and rescue us. The Bible says that his hand is not uh, shortened, that it cannot save. No, no matter how deep you are away from God or how far you, you are away from God, his hand is long enough uh, to get there. Amen? Somebody said, uh, they said, you're so cheap, you have deep pockets and alligator arms. Ever see? <laughs> you, can't, you can't get into your pockets, amen? When, when, you don't, when you don't want to spend money, it's like, oh, I don't got the money. You know, and that's how we can get. But listen, when God sees a sinner lost, he is anxious to save. He is willing to save. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves the most wicked, vilest sinners. He loves the most wicked, vilest Satanists. He loves every uh, Muslim on this earth. He loves every uh, Satanist. He loves wherever religion you're at. It doesn't matter if you're a human being. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him and get saved. Amen. The Bible says there is None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. That means no one gets into heaven but by me. you got to go through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no other way. It's not uh, Jesus end church. Jesus end your religion. He's not a, another God on the shelf. Well, let me just check this off. I'm going to put Jesus plus uh, everything else just, to, um, just in case. Well, that'll never work because the Lord doesn't share his glory with anyone. Amen? It's got to be God and nobody else. That's where our faith comes from. Look what the Lord says. In verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Jesus is already here. He's talking about when he comes again. He's talking about now. The Lord's coming back soon. Will he find faith on the earth? And that ends with a what? Question mark. People uh, say, you just got to... Uh, Live by faith, and that's all true, but 
do you even have faith to live by? We need to examine our faith. We need to make sure that we are trusting in God. And nobody can see that. It's you and God. It's your uh, faith stems from your heart. And it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Hearing the word of God and just believing it. It's not walking by your knowledge or walking by hope. I hope everything's going to work out. No. Faith is knowing. Faith is going. Despite of your circumstances. The Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen. When you, when you know, well, hey, I don't have enough gas in my car, so I'm just going to keep driving. Well, that's not faith either. But if God tells you to keep driving, that's when faith comes about. Faith is first hearing from God's word and then doing it no matter what. No matter who's against you, no matter your circumstances, I'm not backing out because God told me to do this. And I know God wants me to do this. Despite of everybody else, I'm moving forward for God. That's when faith begins. Men ought always to pray. What happens if you don't? You're going to faint. What's this prayer? Let's look in, in this parable here. There was in a city a judge which feared not God. The Lord gives an illustration of this judge. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about people. He just cared about himself. He just cared about his job. He just lived for number one, as they say. In the city, there was a widow. She came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Why would she go to him? She went to him because he had the power to do something. And she knew he had the power to do something. And she was powerless. She was a widow. She lost her husband. And as the widows are, predators go after the widows. Predators go after the widows' houses. Predators go after the widows' bank accounts. Predators go after all that a widow has. And this lady here had an enemy that was against her. Number one, you're going to have to know that you have an enemy against you. The Bible says, be sober in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil seeks you out. He wants to destroy you. Now, he doesn't do it uh, in a way to where you're going to notice it. Why? Because he is the deceiver. He will do it in a way uh, very craftily, very sneaky. I always say, I call it the wedge theory. If the devil can get a tiny wedge in your life, how, how, how uh, thin is a wedge start out? Very thin, as thin as it needs to be, the size of a hair. But then how thick does it go? as thick as it needs to go, in order to split up whatever it's trying to accomplish. And that's what the devil does. He often gets something in, in there, whether it be in your home, your family, your life, your walk with the Lord, your prayer life, your reading. 
How did I stop reading? How did I stop going to church? How did, I, how did this even happen? Well, the devil got in there. We allow the devil to get in there. We walk, the Bible says, to resist the devil and he will flee. He will flee from you. So if you don't resist the devil, what's going to happen? He's going to stay with you. Don't resist the devil. He will stay with you. Resist the devil and he's going to go. He's going to flee. Why? He knows he cannot beat the armor of God. He cannot beat a praying Christian. He cannot beat a Christian that's reading their Bible. He cannot be a Christian that's equipped with the armor of God and ready uh, to walk with the Lord. There is power in that. This lady here, she went to this judge, and all she said was, avenge me. I have an enemy. Deliver me from my enemy. The Bible says in verse 4, he would not for a while... But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, verse 5, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. She's going to wear him out. She's going to keep on at it. And verse 6, the Lord says here, to hear, hear, think about what this judge said, just said. Think about what this judge just told this lady. It means go back now. Let's look at what this judge just said. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man. This is a a wicked judge. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about this lady. He doesn't care about anybody. He just cares about himself, and he's in position of authority and power. So who's got more power here to turn the heart of a king? The the Christian who's in touch with God has power to accomplish what God, uh, what God's will is and what God wants to accomplish through you. Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. She kept at it. Faith is pressing forward despite of your circumstances, knowing the will of God and keeping at it. That's what the beginning of faith is. And proving your faith is when you're not backing down, you're going to continue. I tell you that in verse 8, Jesus says in verse 7, shall not God avenge his own elect? We are elect in Christ. He, he grafted us in himself. If you're saved today and you're in Christ, you are part of God's elect in Christ. When, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on your earth. You, your prayer requests, I told you to write down. Bring it before the Lord. Pray. Ask God to do something great with you. Ask God to do something great for you. You have somebody uh, fighting you. You have someone wearing, wearing you down. You have something in your life that needs to be fought for you. And it's too powerful. This enemy was too powerful for this widow. 
And she's realized that. She didn't have the means. She didn't have the circumstances. Uh, she, she, didn't, she wasn't prepared for it. But she knew where to go. She went to the judge. And as Christians, we need to remember that we need to go to God. He does listen. He does care. If God doesn't listen, he doesn't care. And if he's not real up there, then what are we even doing here tonight? We need to let our faith grow. Let it increase. I want to start out by proving God. May you have one prayer before the Lord, to bring before the Lord every day. Look at verse 5. Yet because this widow troubleth me, we need to trouble God. We need to squeak. The, uh, there's a saying, the squeaky wheel gets the most grease. Amen? The squeaky Christian gets his prayers answered. We've got to remember to pray. When Satan plants a seed of depression in your heart or steals your joy away, pray the joy comes back. Why? Because the devil is trying to get a wedge in your life. When Satan comes and tries to uh, steal away the, the uh, praise from out of your mouth, that's what, the, that's what was going on when the Pharisees came with the children and the people. They were shouting, Hosanna to the Lord. And he said, Make them stop. Tell them to stop. Jesus said, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. I remember when I, in high school, I played football. And the, I got out, as a senior, I got out early from school. So I went to school, or I went to my locker room early. And it was mid-season towards later on in the season. And I went to the locker room. I was the only one there. It was filthy, filthy. I mean, I just, I was like, man, this is getting bad. Let me clean it. I, I found a closet with a broom and trash bags, and I cleaned up. I got two trash bags full of cups and Gatorade bottles and mud, and I mean, just packed these bags, and I cleaned everything really nice. It took me a good hour. I got there pretty early. And as I finished up, uh, one of my other teammates came in. He got there a little early as well. Later on, though, after I was done, because I got there really early. And then right after him, my, our coach got there. And he said, wow, who cleaned this locker room? And my teammate, my friend, he said, I did. I said, man, this, and I couldn't, I couldn't say, you never rat your friend out. That's, so what I did, I kept my mouth shut. My coach praised him. Oh, man, you, thank you so much for taking the time and cleaning this locker room. And I'm looking at, at my friend and uh, shaking, shaking my head. And I said, man, you, you, stole, you stole my glory. And uh, he came to me. He said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I was like, that's, that's not a big deal. Not like we got anything for it. Amen. But he stole the praise. You know? And what, what all I'm trying to say is that he was there at the time. But he didn't do anything, you know. And as Christians, we steal the praise from God. Um, we don't recognize God working in our lives. If we don't recognize God's working, how are we going to recognize the devil attacking? We're blinded. 
And this is why the Lord speaks in parables, because we're blinded. He said, I'm going to speak in parables because we have eyes, but we see not. We have ears, but we hear not. We have hearts, but we understand not. So he speaks in parables to help us understand that we need some help. Do you ever rob God of the glory? Of course we do. We're naturally prone to pushing out God of our lives. And if we do that, surely we're not going to even realize that the devil is attacking. If we can't recognize the good, how are we going to recognize the deceitful uh, attacks in our lives? I want to take us to, uh, and then we're going to close, take us to Luke chapter 19, one chapter over. In Luke 18, verse 1, it says, men ought always to pray. That word ought means it's necessary. It's necessary. It's a necessary thing. The same word is found in Luke 24, verse 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? It was necessary that Christ died for us. And it's necessary that we realize that we need to talk with the Lord and get our help from the Lord. It's not a set prayer time. It's a life of prayer, a life of knowing who to go to and not back out of it. Knowing when you're being attacked and not backing out. Knowing that there's someone against you, but there's one for you, and I'm going to go to him. He's going to fight my battles. This is beyond me. I'm not going to follow in the same old pattern. I'm going to get help that I need. And the Lord is there for me. In Luke chapter 19, the Bible says in verse 1, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. Now, publican, uh, they did the dirty work for the Romans. They were uh, the tax collectors. Nobody liked the publicans. Nobody did. And he, the publicans always took more than what they, that was, that was their job. It was a dirty job. It was, very, it was a lying job, a stealing job, a deceitful job. And they, they were traitors. They were considered traitors against their nation. And that's who they were. And this was one of them, Zacchaeus. Uh, he was a traitor, he was a liar, he was a thief, he was a, you know, every title that you can name against him, uh, and he was rich, so he was more hated. But verse 3 says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. You know why? Because he was the chief among the publicans. But if you go chapters back, and if you read the ministry of the Lord, the Lord was always sitting with these publicans, and they were getting saved from the lowest. He was sitting with the publicans, the harlots, the sinners, leading them to himself. And it got to a point where Zacchaeus had to know who this man was. 
Zacchaeus was the chief of the publicans. He probably had a large tax office. And one by one, his employees were gone. Where's everybody at? Where's, where's Bill? Where's Jim? Where's Joe? Oh, they, they got saved. <laughs> they, they met the Lord, and they said they didn't want to do this job anymore. And they said they were out. Wow. It was a deceitful job. It was considered a bad job. It was listed with, whenever you see publicans, you usually see publicans and sinners. Zacchaeus says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little stature. Let's look at what he did, though. He had an obstacle before him. What did he do? He ran before. That means the Lord was walking. There was a big crowd around the Lord. There always was. So this little man, Zacchaeus, rich man, running to get ahead of Jesus and to get ahead of the crowd, the Bible says he climbs up into a sycamore tree, verse 4, to see him, for he was to pass that way. So Zacchaeus runs, money falling out of his pocket. He's in a suit, sweating, climbs up in this tree, dress clothes, sitting up in this high sycamore tree because he wants to see who this Jesus was. In verse 5, it says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Verse 6, And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Can the chief publican get saved too? Sure, he just did. He received him joyfully. It means he got saved. Verse 7 says, all they that saw it, they murmured. You're always going to have that crowd. What are they doing in church? They don't deserve to be here. Yeah. I'm the first one to go. I don't deserve to be here. None of us deserve Jesus. If you think you do, you're in a worse place than everybody. This man Zacchaeus proved, proved his faith. Running, completing these obstacles that were before him. Now, this is harder said than done. You know, this is a general, we give this illustration to the kids. There's a song. You guys remember? Zacchaeus was a wee, we, we make them really small with the kids. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Yes, I'm going to your house today. Is it today? Yeah, today. To stay or today? To stay? Okay, amen. And we sing that to the kids. It's a kid's song. And, uh, you know, as, as we get older, we think life is more complicated. 
Well, that's kid stuff. But it's not complicated. It's actually more simpler. By this point, as you got older, you have, if you have kids of your own, you should know how much more, as you loved your children, how much more your father loves you. It doesn't get more complicated. It's just that we don't have faith. Our faith never grew, and we keep repeating the same fears over and over and over, the same problems over and over and over. We tell the kids, you need to wait. And oh, kids don't like hearing that word, wait. I don't like hearing it either. Nobody does. So when will we ever learn that? If you never learn something, you never learn it. It takes time to learn things. It takes the trials. The Lord speaks in parables because he knows we don't learn things or he takes us a long time to learn things. It's not that God stopped caring or that our lives are more complicated now than when we were younger or that our trials are much harder than before. No. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And although you've gone through some new things and although things hit you harder than others, God's power is not lacking. God's ear is not silent to your cry. He hears it. But is your faith there to keep moving forward and not back out? He spoke a parable unto them to this end. Men ought always to pray. If you don't, if you don't keep pushing forward to get God's attention, to weary God, to trouble him in your prayer. Lord, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm not going anywhere. If you don't, the Bible says you will faint. You need the strength of the Lord. We're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, let's we'll break up into our groups. Men together. Brother Rob, you can play that piano music. And the prayer requests that uh, we all gave, let's pray for them like we normally do. Uh, but let's have that time of prayer as a church family. And that special prayer request that you wrote down, I hope you did, in two weeks, let's see how many God answers. Now, I know he listens to them all, but let's see how he answers them within the next two weeks. Amen. Let's break them into groups. We'll have the guys together, the girls together. We could break up into twos, threes, however it may be. And there's no time, however long you need to pray.